0: This episode is brought to you by Stream by Alphasense. Stream is an expert interview transcript library with more than 10,000 interviews spanning across all industries, including tech, media, consumer goods, and plenty more. Not to mention 70% of these experts can be found only exclusively on stream. Thanks to many of the interviews that I've read on stream, I feel like I've gained a much more intimate understanding of the companies that I cover. And at this point it has become an integral piece of my research process. So if you wanna check out some of their transcripts for yourself, you can go to streamrg.co slash CCM and sign up for a free 14 day trial using the promo code CCM. Again, that's streamrg.co slash CCM, S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G dot C-O slash CCM. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday deep dive interview where we have on an analyst to discuss a single stock. And today we have on Simon Erickson and we're talking about QuantumScape. Usually these go about 45 minutes to an hour. So I hope this, I think this is in about the same ballpark time. Um, What were some of your highlights from the interview?
1: yeah I think the highlight here so this is a early stage battery technology company for electric vehicles and they're trying to really revolutionize the market and again this is pre revenue so the valuation stuff you know we're not it's impossible it's 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 basically impossible here or we're all speculating and Simon goes through some great details on why theoretically and in their lab test this type of battery can maybe be the next big step change within the market so, I love the discussion of that. And I love the discussion of how they have these partnerships and the opportunity within that, where this can be, you know, it's the most important part of an electric vehicle. So, if they have that differentiated technology, it can be extremely, extremely valuable, but also weighing the downsides. I mean, it's a pre revenue company that may never be commercially viable. So, yeah, fantastic all around. If you're interested in these type of industry or this industry, electric vehicles, I know a ton of people are. It's a great overview of understanding how one of these businesses work.
0: Yeah. And I really liked uh, when, you know, it's obviously, as we mentioned, impossible to value a company like this, but he talks about what the inputs are. To trying to value it, and I, I think he he goes through that in a really comprehensive and easy to understand way. But uh, we don't need to go any longer about the interview since it's you're about to listen to it. If you do want to sign up for Seven Investing, because we mentioned this throughout the interview, but their new September Rex came out this morning. If you like Simon's work, you like this interview, really recommend going and signing up. You can use code Money and get a hundred dollars off their annual at I think it's SevenInvesting.com backslash subscribe. Uh, without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM media group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. Today, we are joined by recurring guest and friend of the show, Simon Erickson. He is the the and a lead advisor at Seven Investing. And we're just going to shameless plug it right now. Use code MONEY to get $100 off the annual membership with seven investing and the recommendations will have come out. The September recommendations will have come out the morning that this podcast comes out. I'm getting that right. Yeah, that
1: is correct. You might not be listening to it exactly on this morning, but Simon, any, can you give any teas, you know, to what the recommendations are this month uh, for the listeners?
0: Spicy kind of, you you got without, without,
1: obviously we can't spoil anything,
2: but yeah, any teas that you can give out. Well, thanks, guys, for having me on the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Brett. And thanks for, you know, kind of the shameless promo that we have our top recommendations on the first of the month every month. Uh, Being that this is the first that we're publishing this one we've got the new ones that are out there. Uh, This is actually the very first time in Seven Investing's two and a half year history that I think we've had a single month that had five of our seven recommendations that were either small cap or micro cap recommendations this month so we're, we're going to swing for the fences for a couple of them it's going to be an interesting mix this month i'm looking forward to it okay. all
1: right yeah at least you know not just big tech not just uh not just the ones everyone's talking about on cnbc some stuff that might be undercover that's very fun
0: now today we are talking about QuantumScape, which uh i guess i'll let you end up describing it but can you talk about what they do Uh, not only like big picture, but can you kind of try to break down the chemistry of it into layman's terms uh, or in terms that I can under, a non-engineer can understand?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and so kind of my strongest statement on this one is that QuantumScape is inefficiently priced today. It is wrongly priced by the stock market uh, at a price of, you know, around 10 or $11 a share. It's either worth a lot more than that or a lot less than that. And like it's our job as investors to like figure out okay if the line is drawn in the sand right here which one of those two is is, is accurate and it's going to take a little bit more digging than than a lot of other companies because so much of what they're doing is very technical um and it's really different than than almost any other company that's publicly traded in my opinion of this market cap right now a uh, QuantumScape is making batteries and so electric vehicles the most important part of electric vehicle in this entire market is the battery that's being used and the um the industry as a whole, for, for EVs, you know, you kind of see all these companies, not just Tesla, but even the legacy auto OEMs, saying, yes, we want electric vehicles. Yes, we want to make them price competitive with the others. Yes, we want longer range. Yes, we want higher performance. Uh, but it's really challenging to do all of that at the same time. Um, I have a fun trivia question for you guys, which is, when was the first lithium-ion battery actually invented? Oh, okay. I know that... Well, i'm gonna let ryan try because oh. i think i know the trick question
0: here i don't want to try i want yeah i want you to try
1: <laughs> i think it was like the first electric car okay well i could totally be in this wrong because i know one of the first electric cars was like 1900 but i do not know if lithium-ion batteries were used there so it's either 1900 or like 1990.
0: <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna copy off my neighbor
2: here and go uh, 1900. There you go. Well, well, that's probably true that they were thinking about them back there. The first, at least, commercial uh, lithium ion battery was in 1974. Uh, So it's actually been 50 years. Right. And it was in response to the Arab-Israeli war uh, because the price of gasoline was going so high due to embargoes that, um, you know, energy companies started to say, hey, we need to have some kind of backup plan for vehicles. And so first lithium I mean, it comes out of the UK, UK lab, you know, spends the next 50 years as kind of being the battery chemistry um, that was used for electric vehicles, but also a whole lot of other stuff. Right. You know, cell phones use lithium ions, uh, power wall for storage on your on your you know Tesla power wall, all, all this stuff, you know, consumer electronics kind of um, went around lithium ion as, as the favorite. And it kept making improvements every year. But these were small incremental improvements. And Tesla and Elon were kind of was kind of the first company that said, you know, hey, we're ready to start building gigafactories. And we think we're at a point that lithium ion is good enough right now that we can start manufacturing these at at global scale, right? We 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 think that we are now ready to start making electric vehicles uh in the millions of vehicles every single year that, that people are gonna buy. But the challenge still remains with with lithium ion that there are technically some um it's hard to progress from from where we stand today. Everyone is wanting a longer range, right? I want to make sure that I don't run out of juice. If I'm driving my car to work and back, I don't want to run out of out of battery power for that. But also if I floor it, I want enough get up on the highway that, you know, this is going to perform like a roadster rather than, you know, a, a, a mild sedan or something like that. And then you've got trucking fleets that want to have batteries and electric vehicles, and they want them to run for several hundreds of thousands of miles. And, There's kind of this this saying that goes that uh, there are liars, damn liars, and battery suppliers. That batteries can always promise things like, oh, yeah, we'll give you performance. Yeah, we'll give you range. Yeah, we're going to give you longevity. But with the limitations of lithium ion, it's very hard to do all of those at once. And this is my long-winded pitch of saying, if you want to improve the specifications of batteries, uh significantly you, you kind of have to change the entire chemistry you have to get away from lithium ion and the only way that you can truly do that is to create a solid state lithium battery which is built upon lithium metal instead of lithium ion it's a fundamentally different science it's got completely different rules uh, it is very very expensive right now but on the other hand if we're going to get the types of volumes that um all of the auto oems are wanting to promise in their electric vehicle product lines, um, we're, we're kind of going to have to make a decision of are we going with what's good enough today or are we going to completely do something differently? And if we're going to do something differently, Quantum State is is a type of company that that is taking a completely different approach that might serve the needs of what this electric vehicle market demands in the coming years.
1: Okay. So now uh, let's give some context around just what that means if this is commercially viable. I know a lot of it's theoretical. I know they might not reach the promises they have talked about, but I read, you know, that, you know, they could promise a thousand mile range. I mean, why why is the solid state battery just so much better if they can achieve what, you know, I know it hasn't been built yet at the commercial scale, but if they can get there, why is it so much better?
2: There's some material properties of lithium metal that are superior to lithium ion. Uh, one of the most uh the biggest one the the one that people focus on a lot is energy density right now Uh, lithium metal can hold a lot of charge you can pump this full of electrons when you're when you're charging it and then when it discharges you can have that flow of electrons actually very 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 good right the discharge time is very quick and then you can also recharge it very quickly too right so when you're talking in terms of for what a consumer wants uh, you want to have something that can pack a lot of charge and you can maybe get 400 500 miles out of a single charge out of it uh, but then you also want to be able to recharge it in 15 minutes rather than six hours and typically lithium-ion you haven't you haven't been able to do both of those right and then on top of that too you want to make sure this is something that's going to last for seven hundreds several hundreds of thousands of miles um certainly elon has come a long way with tesla but one of the limitations at least that we've seen from kind of consumer reviews right now is when the battery goes kaput Uh, One limitation is safety, right? Lithium ion, there's, uh, bear with me, guys. I hope I'm not putting anybody to sleep on this, but just to kind of go into the chemistry is when the battery um, is storing charge in the anode and then it's sending it to the cathode. But to make sure that it just doesn't happen all all, all at once, it travels through a material called an electrolyte. And then in the middle of that electrolyte, there's a separator too. Uh, Over time, the traditional lithium ion batteries, this electrolyte material will build up these nasty root looking needle looking uh, formations within the electrolyte. They're called dendrites. And this degrades the battery over time. So best case scenario, your battery degrades. You have to replace it every couple of years. Right. And if you guys are buying a a Tesla Model 3 or a Model S or whatever you're buying, you probably don't want to say, "Okay." this is going great, but now I get hit with a fifteen thousand dollars charge because I have to replace the battery pack. That stinks, right? You're going to be like, "Oh gosh," you're, you know, who's paying for that, basically? Uh, and then the extreme, the other really, really bad thing is say that you have these dendrites building up; they're shorting out the battery itself, and all of a sudden you have an explosion underneath the hood of your of your car. Your electric vehicle blows up. Hopefully, not with you in it, but you know, it shorts out and, and there's safety concerns. And a lot of the critics of of Elon and Tesla are saying, hey, we're not there yet with lithium ion battery technology uh, that is addressing some of the biggest problems that we we have. And so lithium metal, um, in addition to the specifications of having, you know, a 400 mile range of having a potentially 15 percent, 15 minute charge time to get from zero to 85 percent charge and just kind of the, the longevity of a battery being able to go several hundreds of thousands of miles a lot of these promises are out there and they look good in the lab and they look good in R&D prototypes now the question is can you really scale those up can you really fulfill the promises that you're making of how this is better than Tesla or Panasonic or anybody else who's making lithium-ion batteries today in a way that's safe and then actually you know has got superior specifications for the automakers If you can, then every single automaker in the world wants to use this battery pack if you can get it cost competitive with what's out there today. So that's the interesting part about QuantumScape. That is the challenge that they're facing as a business today.
0: Okay, so that's really helpful, especially for someone who doesn't understand the technology. And there's something that they, if you read through any of their letters, they mention um, different layer cells um as kind of different milestones and so the most recent one I think was the 24 layer cell can you maybe explain what the what the layer cells mean and then um why was 24 such a big milestone for them
2: yep so layer is between the anode and the cathode right like I you know there's materials be between between where the charge is being stored and where it is being discharged to, right? So more layers basically means we're going to break up this problem of dendrite formation into a way that you've got more and more proprietary materials separating the anode from the cathode. Um, At first it was one, then it was two, then it was four, and I think they went up, you know, all the way up, and now they're at 24 layers. And again, you know, Ryan, this is still in lab scale, but they're showing successively, yes, you can discharge the cells. Yes, you can charge them back up in a, in a short amount of time. Uh, yes, it's running through more and more cycles. You know, it's actually it's actually working. The longevity of the cell is there. And again, the proprietary materials that they use, that they don't disclose, um, are, are working, and you're not getting those dendrite buildups. QuantumScape is very, very tight-lipped about the materials they're using. <clears throat> they're solid-state cells, so the electrolyte is a solid material. They are lithium metal, which means they don't have a carbon composite in the anode anymore. It's going directly to the lithium metal, which is storing the charge. Uh, all of these are great for energy density. All of these are great for all the other quality uh, specifications that we just mentioned. But again, at the end of the day, if you've got proprietary materials with superior performance, you've got to show the world that you're progressively improving uh, those to commercial scale, and that's where we stand with Quantum skip. So every time that you see, you know, twenty-four layer cell improving um you know uh uh, production capabilities in the lab um capital expenditures to get more and more kind of scaling materials that we've got out there all of this is kind of uh inherent for a company that's still not making any sales at all there's zero revenue for QuantumScape at all right now all this is is production partnerships as they continue to try to tackle these incredibly difficult challenges
1: Yeah, we'll get to the revenue or lack thereof and kind of how an investor might want to look at that. But one more thought on, I guess, just the batteries themselves. How far away are they from like, if they they have 24 layers now, I mean, do they need to get to 100, 400, 500 to become commercially viable? And then, and aside to that, who are they competing with? Are there any other companies that are at their stage or are they kind of in a league of their own a league of their own excuse me
2: there's two components to that the first is how do they look in the lab versus what's commercially available and then two is how are we going to actually scale these up with the partnerships they have in place uh tackling the first part of that today i take a look at uh te- tesla's lithium-ion batteries these are the ones that are going to the model three right And then I looked at QuantumScape's lithium metal batteries that they have that are in that are in R&D prototyping phase right now. And we looked at I looked at kind of three factors, right? Energy density, both volumetric and gravimetric. So by volume or by weight, Uh, driving range, and then also the charge time, you know, for a full recharge of the batteries. Uh, QuantumScape's prototype materials are superior to Tesla's lithium ions on all three of these metrics, right in terms of watts per hour per liter or kilogram that's the energy density in terms of the driving range you know tesla's at around 360 380 today versus 400 in the lab already for QuantumScape, and then the charge time a full charge for a, for a tesla you would want to leave it overnight plugged in even with the rapid charge stations that they have versus a 15 minute promise charge for for QuantumScape right now so all of the specs look good for lithium metal versus lithium ion, they're, they're technically superior specifications. The second part of your question was, why does a 24-layer uh, cell matter? 24 layers is the minimum requirement for the first of three phases in the OEM partnerships that QuantumScape already has in place with several of the largest OEMs in the in the world. And so the companies that are making vehicles today that are already making electric vehicles are qualifying lithium metal as opposed to lithium ion for their future models. And they're saying to QuantumScape, okay, yeah, put your money where your mouth is, show me the specs, but then also I want to see this increasing based on A, B, C, and D. A 24-layer cell is reaching basically um, sample A, of A, B, and C that is promised in the future. So we've kind of hit a milestone here of what is something that is the expectation for their end customers. We've gotten the first check mark that we needed, right? Um, There's still a lot of work that's going to go into this over the next five years of qualification as you kind of go farther and farther. Uh, But it's a good first step. They are doing what they said that they were going to do, acknowledging this is going to take a lot of time. There's going to be a lot more milestones they're going to have to hit along the
0: way. If you're listening to this ad right now, we know you're already a listener to our show. But for our avid listeners, we've also started a paid membership service called Chit Chat Money Plus that extends beyond just our podcast.
1: Every Tuesday, subscribers get access to one not-so-deep-dive research episode that covers everything you need to know about a company. You also get an email newsletter with our written show notes, important charts, a transcript of each show, and access to our Chit Chat Money research files.
0: Chit Chat Money Plus costs $5 a month. You can subscribe directly through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you listen on another platform, click the link in the show notes to go through the simple steps of signing up. If you're a regular listener to the show, we think the membership will provide tons of additional value.
1: On top of the stock research episodes, members will get one Arch Capital Fund episode a month where we outline why we bought, sold, or continue to hold a stock in the Arch Capital Investment Fund, along with shows on our broader
0: investment strategy. Sign up and become a Chit Chat Money Plus subscriber today. We can't wait for you to join our community.
2: Hear that? Believe it or
1: not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at
2: armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
0: So, okay, you mentioned partnerships in there, who and I think you've kind of mentioned that big OEMs or who their customers would be, do what kind of partnerships do they already have? And then, um, like, how do those partners help them at all, I guess?
2: It's probably the most interesting part of the investing thesis is that they've signed partnerships with the big guys in the industry. Right, this isn't just QuantumScape going out there and saying, "Hey, this is awesome. We built the better battery. You know, everybody flocked to us because we're going to have something ready by 2026." Uh, they're being very methodical about step by step. Who are you working with, and what are the, what are the what are each one of those steps going to look like? Um, the one that they've disclosed Ryan is Volkswagen. Volkswagen has got seats on the board of QuantumScape. Uh, they're very involved with the research process. Uh, they put $200 million into an uh, in equity stake in QuantumScape. They're they're kind of the one that was out there publicly saying, we really want solid state lithium metal batteries for our electric vehicles. The others are a little bit um more secretive about what they're doing. And in fact, they haven't disclosed the names of the companies that they're working with because there's a lot of kind of back and forth or proprietary information, but they have Uh, Disclose that they have, outside of Volkswagen, six other OEM partnerships. Uh, In fact, earlier this year, they said that, you know, um, I believe four of those were with top 10 auto OEMs. And without them saying the names, you know, we look at that, that could be the Toyotas of the world. That could be the Fords, the Hondas, the GMs, the BMWs of the world. I mean, by volumes, these are really high volume companies out there that are saying, yeah, we're really interested in with this. Uh, maybe we don't want to develop all the technology ourselves. Maybe we'll hire out QuantumScape to build these batteries for us. And then we're going to, you know, ramp up the volumes over time. And the interesting piece of this is going to be to see how that progresses. Um, in addition to kind of the technical challenges that are going to be methodically worked out one step at a time, uh, QuantumScape's executives are, are going to be compensated very well over the next decade with stock. Uh, which is tied directly to the achievement of those milestones for their customers the stock based uh, compensation it isn't just hey you know great job quantumscape ceo here's here's an option you know for you to make a billion dollars this year it's tied directly to the performance that they provide for their customers and i think that's a really smart way to do this you know it, it's not just a, a pipe dream it's something that is one step at a time show us that you're making progress over something that has promise in the lab and, and I think that's the right way to do it because this isn't just going to happen overnight. It's going to be something that's going to be planned out over the next period of five years. QuantumScape as a company doesn't expect any, any production volumes, commercial volumes until the year 2026. So we've got four more years of, of R and D work to get something that will be eventually, um, embedded to, you know, global production of vehicles that are sold all over the world is. Uh,
0: so you mentioned that the Volkswagen has some seats on the board and there's obviously a f- uh, great financial interest from a lot of these potential customers for QuantumScape to succeed. Do they give QuantumScape any sort of like financial backing or are they trying to help QuantumScape get there in any way? Like how do, how does having that partnership benefit QuantumScape?
2: Yeah, funding RD, a lot of it is funding, you know, the pilot scale stuff. So if you if you are working in a partnership with QuantumScape, they'll probably have like a production facility as close to your production facility as possible. There's some capital expenditures that goes into that, right? You got to build the equipment, you know, to get this stuff up and running. Uh there's some operating expenses. You have to have a team, stuff like that. Those are kind of different based on each one of the partnerships. The only ones that we've seen is Volkswagen, which has an equity stake and then is also committed to funding a lot of the RD scale up. All right. That
1: makes a lot of sense. I know it's it's tough to quantify this because the industry is in an early stage, the company is in an early stage. We don't know whether the product is going to be commercially viable yet or when, but maybe give some numbers on how big this opportunity is because we all know that whatever, you know, maybe 10 next 10 to 15 years, the majority of cars on the road are going to be electric vehicles, that seems like a ginormous opportunity. So so how large is that for for someone like QuantumScape? Yeah.
2: I can write a lot of these out, Brett, and maybe we'll post them either on your site or on Seven Investings just to kind of see the numbers, but I'll walk through them anyway, just to kind of see the forecasts. But there are third parties that kind of estimate, you know, how big is the EV market going to be, both within the United States and globally? Um, one of the forecasts that I liked was, was saying that, you know, in dollar terms, the EV market globally was worth $185 billion in 2021. And it was going to grow to be about a trillion dollars by 2028. Uh, one of the other consulting agencies that I liked was from Deloitte. Deloitte said that, you know, within the, um, world globally, there were about two and a half million electric vehicle cars sold in 2020. By 2030, they think that that's going to increase to 31 million EV cars, 10x increase over the decade. And then EV adoption is an industry um, kind of a marketer that that looks more at the US market. And they predicted that there were about 500,000 electric vehicles sold in the US alone in 2021. Most of those, by the way, being the Model 3 Teslas. Uh, But they think that's going to grow to about 4.7 million by 2030, right? So Regardless of who you look at, we're, we're probably talking at least a 10x increase in, in in EV volumes and dollar sales over the next decade. Um, I pulled some other numbers, too, and I looked at, you know, today, what is the average cost of a lithium ion battery? Most important component of the electric vehicle itself. And in 2021, the average cost, not, not final price, but average cost of lithium ion batteries was about $100 per kilowatt hour. Right. And then I I took this a step further and said, "Okay, let's look at the Model 3. You know, how big is Tesla's battery that's in there? Uh, Depending on the size, you can upgrade it based on how much you want to pay for it. But it's typically between 60 and 80 kilowatt hours is the battery that's going into the Tesla vehicle today, Model 3. And so breaking that down, $100 per kilowatt hour times 80 kilowatt hour battery, you're looking at $8,000 by cost for the for the battery cost itself for the vehicle maker. And by the way, if you have to replace that as a consumer, there's markup, you know, if, if, your, if your battery goes kaput, the replacement cost for you as a consumer is actually closer to about $15,000, about double what the cost is for the automaker. Uh, but we'll just say in terms of if you're selling to the automaker itself, say it's $8,000 today. So that's, that's where we're at today. Let's just conservatively assume, Brett, that QuantumScape's batteries are better than what's out there today, right? Instead of being an $8,000 cost, Let's say that they're just charging $10,000 per battery. I think personally it's gonna be a lot higher than that, but let's just assume $10,000 cost to the auto OEMs. And let's assume also that out of that 4.7 million um, United States only expectation for EVs, let's assume that QuantumScape can provide 1 million batteries globally per year. That would be 25% or 20 to 25% of just the American market But let's just conservatively assume they can sell a million batteries a year in all markets. So $10,000 per battery times 1 million batteries per year is a revenue run rate of $10 billion a year for QuantumScape by about 2030, right, into the decade, let's say. And let's also be really conservative and say that if Tesla is getting a price to sales multiple of 14x today because it's selling the end vehicle to consumers, Let's say that a battery supplier might get half of that, might get a price-to-sales multiple of seven. If I slap on a seven price-to-sales multiple onto $10 billion a year of revenue, I'm suddenly looking at a valuation of $70 billion market cap by the end of 2030. The market cap for QuantumScape today is about $5 billion, which would mean this is a 14-bagger by the next eight years. And I think that even that is conservative assumptions because I think the pricing and the volumes will actually be much higher than that. But again, the reason I say it's inefficiently priced is if you wanna get that 14 bagger, you've gotta show that you can scale up to a million batteries a year, right? If this falls apart in the lab and they don't get there, maybe QuantumScape is worth zero maybe it gets lapped by other companies that are doing the development themselves maybe lithium ion just shows that incrementally it's going to improve at a rate that's acceptable enough to not need lithium metal but i think that the point of what makes this interesting is that if they do succeed and they do sell out they're at capacity because every one of these partnerships that they have the six partnerships plus volkswagen turns out or even a fraction of them works out uh, i think that you're looking at a stock that could be conservatively a 10 bagger maybe a 20 or a 50 bagger, depending on how things play out with their commercial partners. It certainly keeps it interesting for me as a stock market investor that I'm intrigued enough to look at uh, how things are going there.
0: Yeah, that makes, I mean, I know people probably hear the, the huge increase in revenue and think, well, how is, you know, like, that's obviously a bold assumption, but it's assuming that if they are successful reaching those milestones, that would be the theoretical market, which, or theoretical opportunity, which is what we are trying to get at. Is there any way to know, um, I know it's like hard to say without any revenue yet, but is there any way to know what kind of profit margins they could generate on these? Because I'm just like picturing it from the auto side. They wouldn't want, Like they can't pay too much for the batteries if they can't give an economically viable car to the end consumer. So like is there uh, how much pricing power would QuantumScape have really? And then like what, what would translate to profits for them?
2: Yeah, that's right. So, Ryan, everything that we just looked at, the numbers there, those were all kind of compiled from third party estimates and then my own analysis. Right. This was not anything that QuantumScape told us specifically. But interestingly, they actually kind of jive with the guidance that management has given. So now let's look at what QuantumScape thinks they're going to do, right? They're estimating that by 2026, uh, they're going to start ramping up commercial productions. And by 2027, they're going to have $3 billion of revenue and $1 billion of gross margin. So that'd be a 33% profit margin you know, off of $3 billion in sales. By 2028... They're expecting six and a half billion dollars of revenue at about a $2 billion gross profit. And then, you know, we can kind of extrapolate that out. We looked at numbers to, to 2030, which, you know, as that kind of grows, we said $10 billion a year was reasonable. That seems to match the ramp that their own company thinks that they're going to get. And it seems like in terms of gross profit, you can get about a 20 to 30% steady state margin from the business. And management also believes that a little bit less than that, maybe call it a 20, 22% EBITDA margin, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Um, That would be kind of if we hit commercial volumes, this is maybe a 20 to 25% margin business, uh, which is very good when you consider the volumes that are out there. Right. That makes sense.
1: And I guess on the flip side, let's look a bit maybe more on the risk here. They they're not going to be you know selling anything until potentially 2026 to 2030 range is when they're going to start actually generating revenue what is their current burn rate I know they raised a ton of money through a SPAC and how long can they really go without needing to raise a, a bunch more money I mean that's kind of something you're probably looking at as an investor
2: right absolutely cash burn is incredibly important right now when you're not making any revenue The business has about $1.2 billion in cash and short-term securities, right? Cash on the balance sheet. And uh, right now, in terms of the cash, it's burning, not counting stock-based comp and things that are not cash charges. They're going through about $250 million a year of operating expenses. And then another, call it $200, $220 million a year in capital expenditures, right? Scaling things up. So you're burning through half a billion dollars a year. Uh, in, in operational and capital expenditures, and you've got about 1.2 billion in the bank. So probably we've got a comfortable two, two and a half years of a run rate right now. But it does seem to suggest that if you're not going to have commercial volumes till 2026 or 2027, we're probably looking at 2024, 2025, a, a secondary offering or at least a debt offering, something that's going to juice some more capital into the system.
0: Is there any incentive for the government to give them funding i know obviously uh we just had
1: that bill but those i like mean a, those are so complicated
0: <laughs> yeah like just uh you know carbon a, a better something that's offering a better solution for uh the environment seems like it's on their agenda with that i don't know do, would that lower QuantumScape's cost of capital by any chance or is it more like nah i mean let's see who Let's see. Let's see who makes it, and then then we'll fund them.
2: Absolutely, it would. You know, this is not something the company spends a whole lot of time talking about, at least in their shareholder letters. Uh, they they tend to focus more on the commercial progress and more of the um, you know who, who, how is this being funded by actual end users and customers of theirs. Now, if you can get some money from the government and you can subsidize the cost of that, that's awesome. That's kind of like icing on the cake. Um, but I don't really have a whole lot of insight as to what that might look like, or dollar figures of, you know, how that might impact margins and capex and all that stuff. Right. Right.
1: What do you think of management? Very important here, I'm guessing. Um, what are their qualifications? I'm assuming technical background. Uh, I would hope so. Uh, but I don't know. What are your general thoughts on that?
2: Super technical dudes. You know, these are these are guys that are going after the gold. Um, they want to improve this system. They see that the bottleneck of electric vehicles right now is a battery, right? This is the thing that's holding back the progress that they that they want to accomplish, uh, Jamie Schraubel was chief technology officer of Tesla, you know, co-founder of Tesla, uh, right there from the beginning with Elon, kind of developing lithium ion. He said, you know, I think solid state is a better way to do this, and he spent basically the last ten years in the lab saying, how can we make a proprietary material, a proprietary solid electrolyte um, that would, you know, have the the correct separator and the correct materials that could crack this code. You know, how can I charge up this lithium metal in a way that's not going to form dendrites right at the at the at the the interface, at the surface? Uh, It's not going to degrade over time, but I can still maintain the energy density and the discharge times and the the charge times and all the other stuff we want to do. Like It's kind of like if you're a material scientist like J.B. is, you love this stuff, right? You want to start it in in this in the lab and then you've got to have people with deep pockets and people who are good at executing to bring it from cool R&D prototype project. To something you actually sell out there. And so John Doerr, you know, one of the greatest venture capitalists of all time, Connor Perkins, you know, he was really involved. I think he's out now in terms of ownership stake. He's more of just a guidance. Uh, but he was an early backer that had a seat on the board and was kind of saying, okay, let's build out the comp plan that's going to be aligned with progress. You know, Here's how much money you're going to need. And here's the partnerships you're going to have to have with industry partners. Uh, he was kind of a guiding light for a lot of um, QuantumScape's early days. Keep in mind, this is a company that's already 10 years old. They've been at this for a very long time. And then Jagdeep Singh um, is CEO of the company, also co-founder of the company. He's run a publicly traded company before. Uh, He was the co-founder and CEO of Infinera. Uh, For anybody who follows that, they were kind of a company that years ago uh, built the backbone of the internet so that when video streaming and everything else that demanded fast bandwidth or very high bandwidth and fast internet speeds Uh, they were kind of the ones that made the photonic integrated circuits that went into the mass long haul uh, backbone of the internet so if you wanted to connect europe to the united states and you know kind of the all of this infrastructure that goes into things we take for granted today uh, he was a guy that that kind of said no we're not going to make incremental improvements we're going to build an entirely better optics based internet backbone it's cool he's the right guy to tackle really big projects But Infinera, as kind of an example, never caught on with AT&T and Verizon, right? They were always signing these kind of tier two telecom companies uh, because they wanted to maintain their premium pricing and they never really caught on with the existing partnerships that these largest companies already had. And I think that's, I don't know if it's a red flag, but it's certainly a yellow flag to me of like, can they do this with QuantumScape? Ah, uh, can these six industry partnerships plus Volkswagen are they gonna are they gonna bear fruit, and are they gonna get the biggest players, uh, or is Toyota gonna go ahead and go and try to develop their own solid state battery themselves because they can do it um, more economically than what QuantumScape is wanting to demand for a twenty five percent EBITDA margin? It, it's kind of a question that's unanswered right now, but it's something we should keep in the back of our mind. You've got a fantastic executive, you know, who is who is very motivated to uh progress all of these partnerships because that's how he's going to get paid in stock over the next decade but on the other hand you've kind of got um a lot of competition between the auto oems who could just very well do this themselves so they put enough resources at it Uh, you've got the improvements in lithium-ion batteries themselves right panasonic and Sony are showing five six percent improvements in the energy density they're getting every single year and then you've got Elon, who a lot of people are kind of considering, you know, the godfather of electric vehicles right now and the foremost interest, foremost expert globally in uh, in lithium ion saying it's impossible to scale up what they're trying to do. He says, yeah, it looks great in the lab, but you're never going to scale this up to commercial volumes. It's going to be, quote unquote, insanely difficult in Elon's own words. And in fact, keep in mind that QuantumScape itself, the name of the company is built upon quantum dot. Technology where you've got these nanoscale uh, materials that you know were were semiconductive and were kind of the direction they originally wanted to head in, and then they even realized and admitted, "Hey, we're never going to scale this up. We're never going to get quantum dot technology to commercial scale." And so they moved to lithium metal. But the name QuantumScape itself is legacy, referring to a technology that's just not scalable. So. It's a long-winded answer. It's a very complex answer. Uh, they're solving a very, very difficult problem. If they crack it, they're going to sell out every single battery they ever make, and they're going to get great margins on it. If they don't, what's the role of solid state versus the existing status quo in the, in the industry today? Again, it's it's mispriced. It's either going to be incredibly successful or it's not. Do you, but, you kind of think of it as biotech
1: almost, or not biotech, a pharmaceutical company where there's going to be this binary event, semi-binary event, and... If Quantum State gets there, they're going to have this advantage where for one of the most important markets in the world, revenue-wise or dollars spent-wise on on batteries for electric vehicles, they're going to have this competitive advantage because of this proprietary technology if they can get there. But they also might fail.
2: Yeah, kind of like that, right, Brett? I mean, it's like instead of having one binary event where the FDA says yes or no to your phase two clinical trial you're running, you know, where it says, nope, not safe, or, you know, isn't working, or, you know, we're not going to put that, we're not you're not going to commercialize that, that kills the program. That's a binary event. It's dead. But like for QuantumScape, they've got maybe six FDAs, which are their partner, seven when you count Volkswagen, seven FDAs, they're all saying, okay. We're seeing progress, but you need to get to here before we're going to give you more money. You know, and so you're going to see various degrees of success. You want to see the biggest ones. You want to see Volkswagen, their they're most public partner. You want to see that one succeed for sure. You want to see the sample A batteries that they've got at 24 layer now. You want to see those taking off. Um, I assume that they're working with BMW. has got other specifications and qualifications that they've got out there. But again, it's kind of These phase gates, right? You make progress, you spend a couple of months, you tell the world about the progress you make. You go back and you say, okay, now we've gone from A to B. Now I got to get from B to C. Uh, And each one of those has got a team that's really working for progress out there. And at the end of the day, if you sum up all the parts, you know, what what is partnership A worth if it commercializes? Discount that back to the present. What is partnership B, C, D, E, and F and G worth? Discount all those back to the present. You've got a summation of the parts of what is the true intrinsic value of a company like QuantumScape. That's the same way that we value biotechnology companies today. Have you got different programs or different drugs that are all going through trials and they all have different probabilities of success? But I mean, fundamentally, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's it's, it's a sum of parts of, of what is this going to be worth when you actually finally, finally cross the finish line.
0: I think you already pretty much answered our last question. We usually ask, how could this investment go wrong? But I uh, I think you've already alluded to it. Is there anything else that you would, I guess, maybe how are you monitoring this to the point where you would say, okay, this investment is not going right. Maybe it's time to get rid of it.
2: One thing we, we like to do at Seven Investing, and we actually use for a lot of our recommendations, is we, we never recommend anybody back the truck up. For any one stock, all at all at once, right? I I would highly recommend about seeing QuantumScape and being like, oh man, this is going to change the world. I'm putting 100% of my stock portfolio into this company. I think a better approach for a company like this, where you can actually follow along with the story over time, is to say, okay, maybe a full position for me might look like six percent of my invested capital. And I'm going to start with just a one percent stake today. And then, if I like where it's going and I see that they're making progress, I put another one percent, another one percent, until at full, you know, a, a, a full position reaches six percent of whatever money you might want to put in. Uh, seven Investing, we do this through re-recommendations. We'll make a recommendation once, and if we really, really like the company, we'll go back and we'll re-recommend it over time. QuantumScape is one of those companies. You know, you can see if things are going well or not well. And make an assessment of whether or not you want to put more money in. But I think the biggest risk would be just be like, okay, this is something that you assume is going to go perfectly well right out of the gate. Uh, you put a ton of capital in up, up front and then it doesn't work out the way that you kind of were hoping in the best case scenario. So be measured, be methodical. The company is certainly being methodical. This is not an overnight success story. This is something that will take five or six years to even have something that's it's getting in um, into the vehicles that are being commercially produced over there. There's no rush. This is a marathon, not a sprint.
0: All right. I think that's all the questions we have. Do you have any more? You good? All right. Uh, well, this is uh, maybe a good chance for the reminder. It's code money for $100 off the annual. Uh, thank you, Simon, for coming on the show. Again, we want to remind our listeners.
1: Wait, pause. Where can people find? Oh, we'll okay. have it in the link of the show notes, but where can people find Seven Investing if they don't know what it is?
2: Yeah, 7 is our website. And uh, if you go to 7 slash subscribe, and then use that promo code money, like you guys just mentioned, you get $100 off the $400 annual subscription. So 300 bucks a year, I, I might be biased. I think that's one of the better deals on the internet. And then you can see immediately direct access to every single recommendation we've ever made, uh, including the seven that we'll, we'll now post here tomorrow morning perfect this morning this morning we're publishing on thursday so what yeah that's exactly yeah
1: we have to do a little time travel when you record the <laughs> podcast that's right
2: all right well that is going
0: to do it we want to remind our listeners that brett and i are not financial advisors anything we say or discuss here on chit chat money is not formal advice or recommendation we are however general partners at arch capital so we may clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast thank you all for listening thank you again simon for joining the show we'll see you all next time